0: Hello everyone, I am Harry Foku and I connect businesses in the gaming industry with Freelance Tech Solutions and I'm your host. Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast, Web3 edition. Today I'm joined by Orca, Andreas, Lenny and Warren to discuss the challenges in building a Web3 game. Before we begin, let's start with some introductions. Orca, do you want to kick us off?
1: Uh, Sure, Uh, thanks for having me here uh, on this podcast. Um, So... Oke okay, Andre. I'm the founder and, and, and CEO of Crypto Road Games, and uh, we're a studio based in in Limeo in northern Sweden. Um, and uh, yeah, we've been uh, chugging on our project for like it's like one and a half year now. Um, and uh, we're building an action RPG game uh, for 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 the web web tree. Um,
2: so yeah, that's me.
0: Lovely. How about Warren? A little bit about you.
2: Yeah, thanks for having us this afternoon today on this panel. So, my name is Warren Sample. I'm the strategic officer for Vorto Gaming. We're a Nordic based publishing and studio sort of outfit who came together to build infrastructure to enable Web3 games. So, we really kind of work for the studios, providing the full Web3 stack for how they can more rapidly transition their Web2 content into a Web3 format. So really excited to hear today, um, based in the Nordics as well, and uh, glad to participate. Great,
0: and Andreas.
3: Yeah, hi. thank you for inviting me also Harry. Uh, so I'm Andreas uh, Risberg, uh, co-founder and chief product of officer of a newly founded, uh, completely remotely working startup called Trailblazer Games. Um, before this venture, I was uh, working at King with uh, with Candy Crush and just had a product of uh, Candy Crush Soda. Uh, yeah, I came to King through another startup uh, through an acquisition back in the days. So so uh, then working in free to play mobile also. Um, and yeah, basically on a new journey now with uh, with Trailblazer Games uh, and some exciting opportunities in Web three. Uh, currently focusing on on community building actually and uh, and uh, uh, community growth, which is completely new uh, in relation to game development for, for me uh, joining Web3 now and uh, it's truly engaging and inspiring, to be honest. So if anyone from the community is listening listening here, then a shout out to, to them. They're
0: awesome. <laughs> Lovely. How about Lenny? Uh, a little bit about you.
4: Yeah, thanks for inviting me too. Uh, I'm the CEO of Amsterdam Interactive. We're Stockholm-based. Um, been in the media industry and gaming industry for the last 18 years. Um, we're currently working on a game called My Neighbor Alice, a web free game. Uh, basically an NFT-based social online game with focus on resource gathering, crafting, and creative expression, where players can build their own virtual lands, they can interact with the neighbors, perform exciting daily activities, and then earn rewards along the way. Uh, I'm saying we're based in Stockholm, but our team is basically spread across 13 countries uh, all over the world from Vietnam in the east to Canada in the west. So that's
0: us. Fantastic. So every guest has a question on the topic of the challenges in building a Web3 game. So let's start with Orca. What is your question and the context behind it?
1: My question um, uh, is actually uh, re- around regulation and compliance connected to sustainable economy and how to build that when it comes to web 3 games. Um, and the context around that is that, I mean, we we, we have uh, regulation in certain jurisdictions uh, where, you know, you have the WASP. Uh, um complexity uh, when it comes to for those who don't know what was bits is stands for virtual asset service provider and then you of course you have the all loving nfts that can you know um you don't want them impact basically like, as uh, security so my question is actually like how to build a compliant sustainable economy in our web3 uh, games um curious to to hear uh, what uh, Andreas, Warren, and, and Lenny are thinking about this uh, this particular topic.
0: Awesome. Andreas, what do you think? Okay, so um,
3: first to the chopping block here then. Okay, <laughs> thank you, Harry. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very complicated and, and many-faceted question, I think. Yeah. So my, my personal experience is, uh, of course, more on the product and the design side of things rather than compliance. So, yeah. Bear in mind, don't take any of this as legal advice, (laughs) but on compliance and regulation, I think um, some, and again, this is not necessarily our approach, but some propose, of course, to, for example, avoid dividend-like or voting-like mechanics to avoid this regulatory scrutiny that comes with the view of of, uh, digital assets as securities, right? you mentioned already this can vary vary by jurisdiction, of course. So, of course, you need to setting up an organizational structure. You can consider uh, consider where where you incorporate and how you do that. Of course, uh, again, I'm not going to give any legal advice on that, but it's uh, it's some considerations, of course, uh, when it comes to regulation and um, and compliance. Uh, my personal opinion is more that a lot of these mechanics, like if you talk about dividend likes or voting, like mechanics, for example, they are very core and central to many of the, the purposes or setups of many DAOs, like uh, Decentralized Autonomous Organizations. So so I think you need really need to, to make careful considerations in how you want to approach this, to be honest. I think uh, uh, where you set up, how you do it, to, to solve for what what your core use cases are really, again without giving any any advice uh, on that. But looking on the other side of the sustainable economy, I think there uh, there I have, have probably more opinions and more more uh, concrete input. I think um, so. Sustainability, I think, is key. Um, here, it's. Uh, the short answer, really, in my opinion, is that you need to build a system that is not too short-termistic, uh, that only basically leans too much into the Ponomics pont- type of, of schemes that are out there. Um, in my opinion, you achieve this by having an infinite mindset in when designing your economy around this. Uh, also, the other perspective on this Uh, I would be happy to go into more detail, but I'll maybe stop after this last point uh, to to let someone else speak. But the other perspective is really that you need to also focus on the entertainment value and accessibility of your games. Because the other key point relating to this to make the economy sustainable from a a holistic perspective is really to make sure that you also don't have a completely extractionist economy or or just support extractionist behaviors. Uh, in water building, but actually support additive behaviors also. Can't speak much more about what I mean mean with that, but I'll, <laughs> I'll li- leave turn for someone else for a while.
2: Warren, what do you think? Yes, that's a great question. You know, I, I like that old adage that uh, simplicity scales, complexity doesn't, and I think when you come to regulatory matters, it's often quite complex. So. Um, Talking about sort of building great quality games that are a sustainable from the user's point of view, from the studio's point of view, Um, regulatory concerns definitely need to be, you know, addressed and taken care of. Um, But I think you know smart companies are going to find ways to kind of hide that in a way from the users because I think regulatory is one of those scary things that people are uncertain for joining some of these games and it will kind of scare people off. So I, I think that the smart studios, the smart sort of solution and service providers are going to sort of try to, um, provide that sort of regulatory service as an asset to, to the business and company that they're building. Um, I'd also sort of kind of go back to the ideal that uh, regulatory matters are a moving target. So, um, I think it comes down to any company or any game or any studio kind of surfing the wave, if you will. Um, If you feel confident in what you're doing, you find the balance and you also are boldly, you know, leaning into uh, the rip curl, if you will, um, and just kind of navigating. So I think that's the environment of this kind of gray area we're going to kind of exist in um, for the next few years. And it's going to be kind of a a company risk mitigation issue that each one of us in our companies and thinking about our users profiles, right, are going to have to take into account uh, what is the risk appetite for what is known versus what is unknown but it is definitely a sort of area of work that every company should be understanding where they stand um the other last challenge that i'll kind of raise there is um certainly what applies in europe versus what applies in asia versus what applies to the bahamas you know your mileage is going to vary and um I, i think for any sort of smaller studios or smaller companies that are trying to get their head around it um you know it's a difficult balance because you can't apply so much resource to try to solve this problem i think my my advice would be yeah do do your your diligence to some degree but know that you're basing your policies on what you know and you're ready to defend why you've taken those positions from a regulatory perspective
4: Again, what Andre said, I'm not going to give advice, out, but I do like what Warren said as well. I mean, we're also, I like the surf <laughs> analogy as well. And I think we're currently, but well, we have the luxury of being able to surf different waves right now and actually ex- explore uh, different things when it comes to that. But I, I, I do agree on that uh, if you can justify why you're making the decisions you're making and can de- defend those. I mean, you only know what you know and and this this is new territory so uh but if you have a plan you have good intentions and you can defend why you're making decisions you are i think that's only so much we can do but um yeah when it comes to the sustainable economies uh I completely agree with andreas a lot of Ponzi-like models out there right now, and it cannot just be uh, focused on uh, extrinsic motivations about things coming out. It needs to be, you need to have a play base that uh, driven by intrinsic values and something that actually goes into the game as well, because otherwise it will end up, it will just be a Ponzi and at at some point uh, the token rewards will be done. And that's the, the end of that. So I think yeah, and having a lot of entertainment value, not just playing for rewards. The main part should actually be because it's fun, because the most precious commodity people or users or player have is their time. And if you can't provide high enough entertainment for them to spend their time in your game, you're not going to be sustainable, period, basically.
0: Just to bring that back to Orca, what do you think?
1: I think... Uh... All all three of you had, had good, um, even if it wasn't the legal advice, like, no, I mean, it, it, they're, they're good points. Like, I think that one thing we have to realize is with GameFi uh, is this market that we see in the first wave, uh, it's like, for me, it's a little bit like the ICO back in 2017. There's a lot of winging it. And, and, and there's like a belief of like, this is the way to do it. I think that there has been a lot of uh, short-sightedness, you know, just moving quickly on perhaps like a, a hype train. If you look at it like when we're talking about like Web 2 game studios looking at game, I mean, you Andreas, you're coming from 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 that, you know, area uh, and. And I think it's like at the end of the day, like we need to lower the barrier for players to, to enter to play the game. And, and, you know, of course, you're leading with the game that they're staying because of the game. And, and in there there's incentive for them to to monetize their time, right? But I think that, what we will see, uh, like, I spent 20 years in the online gambling industry, which has so much similarity to the crypto market in the sense that it was unregulated and then became regulated, you know, by your restriction, by your restriction, which goes into what Warren said, like, you might have an understanding of certain your restriction, we might look at European Union, right? But, uh, and we might know how to act here by doing, wouldn't mean this, it necessarily means the same in US. Um, so I think... Uh, one, one way to approach and look at this entire uh, market is that you need to be agile, like you might have to come to the uh, conclusion that my game that I'm building is, is from a regulatory standpoint, it's you know, okay to be in Europe, but it might not be in US and, and so on, uh, which is what's happening with the online gaming industry. Uh, and and I think that uh, when it comes to building that sustainable, it's just trying to 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 have a uh, firm standpoint, as as Warren was mentioning, build uh, your economy model around that. And of course, don't don't fall into the trap that Andreas was pointing out, like just just draining your economy. like that's um, I mean we know it's that that's like a like Ponzi setup. If you have nothing, nobody contributing the economy, it's it's kind of like okay. How long is this going to, to 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 stick around? So I think that we will see a lot of changes uh, happening as more traditional web studio comes in, who has, I guess, uh, to to my, uh, much um, uh, to to, be, uh, to a higher degree a uh, compliance mindset, right? Uh, and that we will see this uh, mature this entire vertical. So um, that's at least my view of it. But um, yeah
0: like it. Now, I think we should move on to the next question, which is actually nicely linked with, I feel like, sustainable economy. So let's come to Andreas next. What is your question uh, and what is the context behind it? Yeah, okay. Nice uh,
3: segue there. Yeah, I think these are two questions that definitely overlap. Uh, There are several perspectives on my question, though, but the economy is definitely one of them. Uh, So the context is really that um, coming into Web3, uh, there's so, uh, at least I see so many benefits and opportunities within this new paradigm. Uh, also, the, like blockchain technology supports uh, so um, many new disruptive and interesting models within when, when building games, right? So, but really, we shouldn't uh, forget what we've learned so far, right? And what's working and what do we know? Uh, not reinventing the wheel either. So the question is really what can or should Web3 Take with it and learn from from free uh, previous free to play models. Yeah, sir. <laughs> uh, if you don't mind, Andreas, I'll I'll, I'll go for that one uh, to start with.
1: Um, I think there is so much to learn. Look, like when you look at free to play, um, I mean, uh, from a from a studio perspective, look, you 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 need to build something that is that you also make a profit from. That's that's reality. <laughs> You you cannot just give everything out for free and and, and your company is making zero profit, uh, but I think that builds goes like when you're looking at retention. Retention is the key for monetization, uh, and I think there's like there's mechanic depending which kind of genre of games that you are building. Um, for example, I guess it's easier for me to speak from where our standpoint in terms of action RPG ga- games. I mean, like, look at the game, like, uh, you know, Diablo Path Effects, so, like the proven mechanics that we know that is that is helping uh, is like retain, like seasonal resets, you know, your league sets in every three months, you have like an economy reset, uh, which I can go <laughs> deeply into why you need to have economy reset. I mean, just from the top of it, it's just and, and I this is something to all Web3 studios out there, like, if you have an economy, it, it's it's worth to have this mindset that like, I, I don't think there's any studio in the world that can release a game that is perfectly balanced. I mean, every studio is going to make some, <laughs> some, some skill, some item to OP or whatever, and you need to rebalance them. So like, I, I think that is just a friendly advice. But but then in terms of of, of these retention uh, mechanics that are out there and what is, you know, when you look at free to play, it's like how do they keep the engagement of these players uh, for, for a longer period of time and how do they, reward this uh these, these players uh, not everything has to be uh, regards to 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 money uh i think that is that is i mean if you think of free to play in web 2 you it's not like you can withdraw something that has a economy of value that's not the, the normal but still they managed to do it in a really great way so i think that yes, depending on what you're building look at the the leading games in the web 2 a game uh out there and what you might have been building, and what kind of mechanics they're doing in order to keep the retention of the players. I, I think there's ton of learn to do there.
0: I'm gonna challenge you, Orca. Do you have any examples of a cool mechanic that you think would be good that you could learn from?
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm I, I, in some way, I'm like, I'm, I'm so like into action RPG games. <laughs> sorry for that. But I mean, like, look. Um, I think again, it, it, it might sound boring, but look, just look at how if you look at uh, there was a, an amazing GDC talk that I can recommend from, from Chris, one of the founder of Grindergate Games, and how they're using uh, uh, seasonal resets there, and what is happening in terms of player base, and how they're launching, relaunching content, uh, mm. adding it on. I mean, uh, and how that is actually working in advantage for them. Uh, I think that that that, that is a it's okay, it's somewhat of a, like a bigger mechanic, right? Yeah, <laughs> but 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 it's a mechanic. I mean, there's there's tons of the, uh, of them out there that is about incentivizing playing and keeping stickiness.
4: So, yeah,
0: no, I like it. How about Lenny? What do you think?
4: Um, I'll go in from a different thing, but obviously, I mean, accessibility is uh, I think what needs to happen when it comes to the to blockchain games as well. And I mean, that's what, I mean, one of the key things with free-to-play games, you can, it's so accessible, you just download and you get onboarded so so quickly into it. And I think while we not might take some time until we reach there with uh, blockchain games for obvious reasons, I mean, that's where we need to go. But I think another very interesting thing is also, I mean, when free-to-play games came, it was sort of, big resentment from the traditional games towards those against they're not real games. And then we've seen that even up to AAA level of games are are adopting the free to play model. And I think that's, you can see as a promising thing for the industry we are in right now, we're just very much in the beginning. And I think the level and quality of games uh, within within blockchain gaming are probably going to have the same Uh, journey as for for free-to-play. So I think another five or ten years from now we're just going to talk about these games as games or they're going to stand on their own ground as games, I think, rather than being seen as something of an yeah, the the unwanted child of the industry, so so to speak. But, you know, I mean, I, I think they will be able to stand on their own as really good games. So I think I think there are two, there is an interesting comparison between the two types of games, I think, but that's just
2: another angle of it. Like it. Warren, thoughts? Yeah, just briefly, there's sort of three things, and I'll touch back on what Lenny said earlier. You know, what does Web3 need to learn from sort of Web2 and free to play games? Um, Number one. (laughs) The game's got to be great and uh, there's a lot of examples out there again it's early days like we talked about we're experimenting a lot Um, but uh, getting great games that just happen to have the added advantage that uh, they're also ways to accumulate wealth you know that's the the bonus and that's got to be the motivation for for to really satisfying the players so great games that uh, are extended in value through the assets ownership right that's number one Number two, and I think Ake talked about this as well, like well thought out game mechanics. So you just don't blow through uh, game day one, day five, day ten. You know, it should be there in a cyclical manner. That kind of brings back to this ideal that um, people are investing their their precious time, uh, their skill sets, their 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 sort of being, and that's the reward incentivization. That's the investment they're making. And I, I'd like to personally see you know, more and more of these games where that is the, the entry ticket to, to play versus sort of having to pay something to, to get over the wall and actually get going. And, and I think we'll see more of that expand. The third one is where Web3 still needs to learn is frictionless user experience. And I'm not making a generalization about everybody for sure, because uh, again, it's early days, but uh, a lot of the UX, a lot of the UI A lot of the friction that exists there in in this market sort of still resistant to come over in droves.
0: No, I agree. It's such a easy thing. Like I'm thinking Candy Crush Soda. You literally download it, instantly playing. Don't have to worry about really anything. And then obviously, if you want to skip a level or you know make it a bit easier for you, you can. But if I want to play. A crypto NFT game. I mean, some of them you probably need an NFT worth two grand, or some of them you need to have a wallet in the first place, or even think about being hacked or something. So I'm, I want to take it back to Andreas. He's obviously been uh, head of product at Soda, so I want to hear what he thinks.
3: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think uh, thank you all for your your answers and and uh, thoughts and input. I think you're you're covering the space pretty well. Um, I, I would probably Tag on what Warren was saying and all of you we were talking about and make just making great games and, and making it fun and those things and engaging. One thing to not forget about is also just the production side of things. Like anyone who's been been in the business, gaming business for a while knows that making fun games is not easy. <laughs> it takes many tries, many attempts. It requires iteration. And this is kind of where... Uh, where some of the the challenges also in in the new setting of developing games in 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 Web3 very transparently and openly. Where one of the things that I'm not bringing with me, but that I'm learning personally, is is how do we communicate around roadmaps, for example, and these types of questions. So, but I'm bringing with me the production experience, also of of it's it's hard to make good games, right? Like <laughs> that's that's one thing, one perspective on on the fun side of things uh, or or great games type of type of question where yeah I, I actually would would like to emphasize that even more though that that in order to not just build an extractionist economy where where um, where most players are there to to get something out of it but you also need need to give something back to many that are even even prepared to to pay for the entertainment value I think that comes only with mainly really two things or three really and you mentioned all of them it's it is it is about uh, about making good entertainment uh, it is about having a, an economy that can actually support all of that uh, which i think uh, most free to play models already have solved for in many ways and it is also and this i don't want to go too deep into but it's because it actually relates to to something we'll probably discuss uh, in a while uh, the accessibility and onboarding of of reaching, how do we reach masses here? Really, and the, the, it's really the the friction uh, in onboarding to, to to blockchain that also is a challenge here to some extent. So, yeah, like you mentioned, Harry, on like coming from 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 a very very kind of a casual uh, games uh, games approach, it's like that's. Really, the onboarding is so smooth. There's so so many UX considerations in in getting getting people into your game uh, that uh, at least uh, a trailblazer will take with us uh, when developing games. Um. Yeah, I think uh, I'll, I'll probably stop there. I c- c- could go on for an hour more about the the taps and sinks needed in in an economy to to actually actually make it work well in this system, but but I think we'll uh, need to leave some room for for a few other more questions also, right?
0: Yes, very wise. Like, I mean, it's just such a weird thing. I was thinking about now. It's like ninety nine percent of people who play free to play games are putting money into the game. There may be 1% of people who are trying to illegally sell the currency on a black market. But in Web3, everyone, as I know, 99% of the players going in is like, I'm going to make money out of this one day. And how is that going to become the flip side? Or will it ever be like 90% plus people go into an NFT game like, I'll put in money because it's a fun time. I mean, that's the dream, right? From a gaming studio perspective. I'm just wondering, how does that look like? and if the best case scenario in a couple of years is it literally just a normal game, with the fact that the currency you know can be uh, legally you know change market to real money, it's just I don't know what that's going to look like, and I'm going to follow your journeys and find out. Awesome. Uh, next question, guys. Let's change direction a bit slightly. So, Lenny, what is your question and the context behind it?
4: Yes, yeah, so maybe this one is more applicable to us than the rest of you i don't know but as we decided to put all game logic on chain uh how to uh how to avoid bots and bad actors in your game is the question i would like to ask to you i mean we have our own rules and uh, way of navigating that and i'm happy to share that afterwards but i would like to ask the question to you how to avoid how do you deal with uh, bot attacks and such when you Designing your
0: games. Awesome. Let's start off with Warren. What do you think?
2: So yeah, great problem to keep solving because I think um, the the innovation in in hacking bots and um, sort of busting the bank is not going to end for any of us. Um, at Vorta, we don't build games per se, but uh, we deal with a lot of studios who are trying to solve this problem, and um, certainly. This goes back to I think what we've talked with certain studios on how they design their in game economies like that things cannot just get. From A to B to C in straight lines you've got to sort of figure out how to build economies that sort of really make people work now whether that's. Putting the time and effort before they sort of uh, reach some kind of balanced rewards or whether steps that are not sort of so logical in in the sort of exploration of the game. Um, that would be kind of a little bit more random, but at least it would be at the control of the user. So um, some basic mechanics, I think, are defenses there. but I think this is um, just sort of temporary gaps because the white hat, black hat hacking communities, um, they're gonna be very active here. and uh, I think we're we're gonna have to keep keep rethinking this quite often.
0: Andreas, what are your thoughts? How are you trying to think about this?
3: Yeah, so so more more concretely, this is a, a challenge we're dealing with more on a uh, when it comes to the community growth and building we're doing right now. So it's not not an in-game question for us right now, but in building the community. I mean, obviously, we have whitelist spots going out and so on. How do we avoid bots bots um, working for those and so on? Um, so a couple of things that come to mind there is. Strictly now I'm speaking more from the community building perspective where where it's also prevalent with with, uh, bots and bad actors trying to uh, get access basically. Uh, In the community building specifically, in the early stages especially, I think it's very important to be mindful and do it systematically and carefully. Um, By doing that, you can get the right type of committed users in so that you don't... uh, you really want quality here. You don't want quantity in the early stages to, to begin with, right? At least that, that's that's our approach. Uh, if you get quality and they can also self-manage and regulate pretty well. You have a strong moderator setup, for example, that quickly gets rid of both toxic people, like, for for example, bad actors and also bots very early. Um, stay on top of things. Uh, this also help, helps drive a great vibe in the community, uh, which I think is very important for, for all of this to to flourish, really, right? Um, and then more technically then also, which do apply to what Warren was talking about also, is that, for example, for our uh, whitelist spots and those types of, of um, uh, tasks and quests and stuff that we have, uh, you shouldn't use growth techniques that kind of increase or incentivize the use, use of bots or facilitate that. Like, you should be smart about it, whether it's, uh, so basically smart engagement design, which I think is to some extent, what Warren was talking about also. Uh, Several forms of authentication you can use. But one of the things that has been very successful for us. And and believe me, we have (laughs) a funny anecdote. Just uh, this weekend, we actually went into the top uh, uh, top social rankings uh, because of the quality of our community growth. Uh, top social rankings on uh, on playturn.net, uh, for example, and a few others of these rankings. So, so this is a proven concept already as far as we are concerned. To design quests, for example, where players need to read the white paper or participate in the AMAs or watch our videos to answer questions on, on what is uh, Eternal Dragons, our universe. What's happening there, or what's what is the team working on? Stuff like this, uh, things that really isn't possible to crack for a, for a bot yet, anyway. Uh, and this type, I mean, this serves many purposes. It's yeah, it's covering for bad actors that don't want to do that work and aren't engaged. it's uh, uh, to some extent, uh, it it cover it uh, protects from bots, but it's also great content and community building and engagement, right? So. Taking a very interactive approach to, to all of that, I think, is is at least so far our recipe to this, uh, even if it's not yet going as far as uh, uh, protecting us in the game for the on-chain uh, logic and so on. Like,
0: but, yeah, I like it. Uh, Orca, I've been through one of those quests that <laughs> Andreas just uh, described, so I'm wondering what your thoughts are.
1: I think uh, uh, Andrea's covered pretty much like uh, do's and don'ts when it comes to community building. Uh, I can only, you know, the way, I can only speak from us from our studio and how we're looking at things when it comes to the game, because I think that is the next level, right? Uh, Now I'm gonna flip this a little bit upside down. You see, uh, with our team we have, uh, like we used to run secondary market. Uh, for for like runescape diablo and, and these games and one of the challenges that I just when it comes to building web2 games it's also like you don't have just a centralized economy you have a sec you know it goes outside the game right and something that you probably don't want to hear is that there is also a need for bots in like the web2 environment right where it's like when they are spending collecting stuff because the consumption will always outperform like what you're supplying. If you if you don't have any production, then you don't have a secondary market. You can check this up on like previous games that has a secondary strong secondary market like um, RuneScape and 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 uh, and the that. But the thing is this that so uh, but then how do you actually? Uh, tackle this because if you look at this if you build a game which has a barter economy uh, i mean there's always going to be some players that have time that time to do the grind and there's some players that don't have the time but they have the money to buy what they want to have right uh, and then how do you then protect your, your game is not filled with uh, a lot of bots well that comes to the skill I, I don't remember who mentioned that but it's like but it goes into actually what andreas was uh, like by doing engagement in in your community and you're building how you can build a community. So there has to be, you know, something that is clear that bots cannot do. So if you build, uh, for example, a game that where you're collecting resources and and, and you need to also have skills to understand where these resources are and then how they're being traded. So like it's knowledge about the game and how you build a game system inside there. Uh, That can mitigate a lot when it comes to in-game bots uh now our game is not completely on chain we're building a web 2 game where there's you know uh, opportunities for players to move items to web 3 and we're making sure that the web 2 are uh, you know but <laughs> the web 3 is the future that they're, they're the stronger items basically so the players are incentivized to in them uh um, to 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 nfts right um, i think Things like because Warren, you were mentioning something around that of like how you're building the game systems, like how the game is being built. That can mitigate uh, bots definitely. Uh, I hope that gave some some answers.
0: Yeah. No, it does. Before I bring it back to Lenny, Andreas, you have something to say.
3: Yeah. So, so I think. Um... In game, also I think it's worth remembering, and th- this is uh, again uh, the Venn diagram of our questions. This is also smack in the middle. I think it's uh, uh, comes back to in if you have a, a traditional free-to-play economies as an example, and those types of games, uh, some require more cheat prevention than others, right? And and kind of the typical obvious things to do is is to actually build into your game the typical cheat, cheat prevention systems that you Feel are needed, including, for example, just capping capping the grind. Right, like uh, if you cap the grind and uh, the, you control uh, those levers, then at least you can can uh, uh, can cap the potential that anyone could extract in in this type of economy by using bots. Right, if again uh, assuming here, if take uh, take orcas uh, kind of paradigm of slightly leaning into <laughs> into this. Also, uh, I think it's important to at least at uh, least have those types of, of restrictions on your system no matter what. Uh, also that goes goes into even if we wouldn't even consider bots, I think it's important. Going back to also how do we make fun and engaging games? Well my belief is that that uh, session pacing and uh, helping the players manage themselves to some extent is also important because otherwise I mean I've seen plenty of systems where players uh, retention is bad because they just burn out, right? I think that's still true even if you're playing for 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 and for earning something or other reasons i still think those uh, kind of uh, basic uh, basic concepts hold true so yeah again we can just bring with us quite a lot of learnings from from how to approach these challenges from from for example free-to-play or or traditional games also
0: no, i like it i'm just thinking about my runescape days because they cover a lot of these things like When you have a daily thing that you can do, which is a lot more efficient, that, in my head, is a reason to keep coming back. Not necessarily a cap, but it just doesn't make sense to play for 12 hours when I can wait and play again next week or tomorrow when there's a new event or something like that. Or even then, the really best way to earn resources and earn money is the really hard thing to bot, you know, like defeating a boss, which requires 50 clicks. Obviously, if you're mining and clicking on the screen every time, you can't make that much money, but in theory, it could be botted, which yeah it is kind of a love-hate relationship even for games like one time they banned a lot of uh, bots and the actual game was harder to play because things were a lot more expensive and it's just it's a weird one it's a weird one because if everyone's happy with the bots i don't know how that works Uh, but it's a bit different when there's real money involved i don't know how that looks like what do you think lenny
4: yeah some really good answers and I definitely agree with Andreas on the community building side that, that you already there start to experience what the bots can do. But when it comes to in-game, we live under the manifesto, manifesto Embrace the Bots. Uh, so I can explain that a little bit. I mean, we see that there's really no good way to stop people from botting on the blockchain. So instead of designing to prevent botting, we focus on making the science that consist a strategy that's advanced enough that it cannot simply simply be botted to win. Uh, obviously adding uh, randomness as, as Warren uh, mentioned as well, something but otherwise something we're really focusing on is to reward social behavior. So if you reward players for acting in a social way, like trading face to face, collaborating on projects <clears throat> that they creatively build together uh or creating experiences for other players that is something a bot cannot do effectively at least not now and for that uh, reason alone it makes botting less lucrative so those are some other things just of to add on that we are focusing on but we with embrace the bots we do not try to steer away from the fact that they exist but we know they do exist and we need to embrace that fact and design around it and that's actually one of the things our design team is um, the most uh, excited about because I mean, they're problem solvers, right? And if they can solve these things and make design that are good enough to make the bots not really uh, worthwhile, I mean, that's a huge achievement. So that's one of the passions they have right now to really work at. They see the constraints as something really motivating, actually, rather than just as a problem. So, but thanks for all the good answer and also like. Back on, on the previous question, what OAK said about the resetting. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, you
0: know, I agree. I just got a question, guys. Because if someone's cheating in a game and it's Web2-based, in the terms of conditions, when you sign up, it's like, if we want to ban you, your problem, your fault for cheating. But with this one, because technically your account's worth something, right? Literally, I can sell all my resources for X amount of dollars. Is that anything you guys are thinking about if you wanted to like ban someone if for just cheating? Like they just did a cheat. Are you guys thinking it's like, oh, I'm gonna get sued by my player because I got he's like, You banned me for no reason. You're trying to steal my money. I don't know. Is that ever is that something anyone's thinking about?
1: Yeah, like uh, <laughs> that's an interesting one. Um the, I don't know if it's going to answer your complete question, but is it like at the end of the day, like the game itself belongs to to the studio, right? That where they're using the items. Like, the, I mean, w- there's good and bad side. Obviously, when it, everything moves over to Web three, and and I think at the end of the day, you, sh- <laughs> it is the per- like the, the player owns the items, right? But uh, yeah, it's it creates a tricky situation, obviously in terms of like do you do you then block that user account like your characters cannot be used but you have the items because they were doing something legal or yeah i mean it's i think these things will also um, start to grow as we as we mature this 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 industry uh but it's a really good question
0: i'm just thinking before uh give it to warren i'm just here's an example let's say i find a little bug and I can duplicate and make a thousand NFTs. Uh but that's on my blockchain, right? What are you gonna do? Like you can make maybe make those NFTs not work in the game anymore because they were cheating. What do you think, Warren?
2: Well I'm not sure about that, but Hari, I was just gonna mention I think you just planted the seed for a, another multi-billion dollar industry and that's uh the metaverse lawyer. So uh well done on your part.
0: I uh, mean uh, uh, that's funny.
2: Andreas.
3: Yeah, just to to your specific example, I think uh, you try what you should do, I think, is try and prevent that through having a good bug bounty program, just as an example. So that's prevention rather than what do we do afterwards. But just on that specific example uh, would be my advice.
0: I like it. Yeah. Rather than punishing, we reward the people who help us. I like it. Awesome. So let's move on to our final question. Warren, what is your question?
2: Yeah, so we've talked a little bit today about uh, some of these answers already, but uh, maybe in aggregate here. Web3, we know, is in still early days, and we're all experimenting a lot. But uh, what do you guys think is sort of, you know, the trigger or the conditions for mainstream adoption, especially in game finance? Um, What needs to occur for this to happen? And, And I'll sort of Caveat around the, the house here too, you know, make a prediction. When do you guys think we're going to see mainstream adoption moving moving like, like cattle through this?
0: Volker, okay, let's go. What do you think?
2: <laughs> okay,
1: I, I could probably rant and rave about this one for an hour. But okay, uh, let's take a swing at this. One thing, we've touched this already, lower the barrier. Like when we looked at Gamefire when we started this product, everything was like, we, we looked at it as like, what's wrong with this industry? Why need you whole NFT assets or some crypto tokens? I remember the first time I was trying to buy a Bitcoin. That was freaking scary. And it's like the entire crypto vertical has just been so naive in their mindset. It's like, okay, but building accounts where you need to hold NFTs and something to get access to the game. Why would you alienate so many players from ever taking that step? I mean, we need to, to just remove that. And I think that we have been touching that at the end of the day. Your game should be able to stand on two feet without crypto. It's fun enough to play, and you should be able to compete on the, you know, like it may be like in the future, Steam or, or or in apps or whatever. Like it has to be that good of kind of game. And I'm I'm confident that we're going to see this, you know, coming down, um, you know, coming in in the future. And I think that when at least our view on it is that, uh, uh, Centralized platform be Steam. Like we know that Steam said no to NFTs. Like, uh, yeah, last year's like they made some public statement about that. Uh, one can argue how much that is true or not. But and then Epic say, like, yeah, we're gonna take it. we we we're we NFT friendly. But look, the, 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 it also boils down to like um, compliance and regulation. I mean, why would they risk their gigantic billion cash cow? And to piss off sec or something else by applying is something that is not perhaps strictly uh, okay on their platform i mean they don't need to be first they just need to be right in in, in those you know uh, in, uh, on, on that part so i think that as as we're we're getting more um, um you know sane like games coming out there that are not completely like ponzi schemes and and they're like leading with the game first and like they're lower the barriers that i mean basically if warren or andreas or lenny didn't know anything about crypto at all they could just play the game have a fun time and then they're incentivized to try out something that also happens to be Web3 that has a user good user experience and good user, uh, you know, interface. I, I think that is what needs to happen. It's what's going to happen. How long it's going to take? I don't know, uh, my guess, you know, maybe like five years we'll have more mainstream adoption. Uh, and I I think that this this kind of, I, I don't remember who mentioned it, but this entire like new business model, if you so want to call it with NFTs uh, or in this game file with the, you know, uh it's just as free to play uh back in the days uh i remember portfexa was the first free to play on steam everybody said you cannot do it like this is like epic fail everybody was used to like you you pay front up for a game uh and, and look at steam now like and look at free to play now and um, and i think that what we will see is that uh, Again, like this will not be like Web three games with NFTs and something special. It's like it it will be games, uh, and yeah.
0: I love that, Andreas. Thoughts? Yeah, I just
3: uh, yeah I would like to follow Walkie since uh, a lot of what he says resonates with me. Also, I think uh, the word scary is is to be honest really key. That that is one that uh, that keeps appearing uh, when. Talking to people and also internally when 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 we look at where we're coming from, uh, do 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 I dare do like th- this whole space feels scary if you're new to it uh, as 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 an end user, right? There's there's so many strange things and there I think it's I fully agree with Aoki that it's it's to a large extent about looking at it as um, uh, basically uh, peeling off. Uh, all the the crypto lingo. Hide hide in the crypto aspects. A player shouldn't have to care about this. Uh, It's really just hide any any crypto. Don't reduce the crypto lingo. Don't speak uh, cryptic. No pun intended. (laughs) Uh, Basically introduce blockchain concepts as a value add when they're relevant rather. Uh, Use best practices from free-to-play onboarding. We already talked about that. Uh, Like this is really where personally again um, we should be leaning into uh, into our backgrounds of kind of in traditional gaming and especially like what, what does casual mobile gaming do well? Well these things onboarding, for example, right looking at conversion points where it really matters to actually surface these concepts. Uh, all of those things. there's a lot of best practices out there already. To be honest, Uh, the challenges, of course, are more technical than right to onboard into the ecosystem and there it's to me it's about choosing smart tech also technology is constantly developing. So whether you go with a layer two solution or or a non proof of work chain that is more efficient and less cost less costly for end users. For example, we use Solana Mm -hmm. as an example that's working awesome for us. yeah could speak much more about that but that's not the topic topic for today so yeah really lowering the also yeah lowering conversion barriers for for non-crypto users by for example there's a lot of technical ramp is a good example of a technical solution that makes it easier for conversions for example and so much is happening in this space so just uh, leaning into all of that and kind of cleaning out all the crypto lingo and just it, it's not it's not the primary thing in order to reach mass market appeal i think uh to not make it as scary anymore but rather as a pretty obvious accessible value add if you're interested in it that's kind of my and that all all of that then goes back to also just making accessible fun engaging and sustainable games right Uh, but there was a you had a a add-on there also on the the timelines like when do we think we'll reach mainstream adoption Uh, It's, of course, depends on what we mean with mainstream adoption, of course, but uh, um, free-to-play, the free-to-play disruption, for example, in my opinion, went pretty fast once it happened. But the difference, I would argue, is that that onboarded a whole new set of users, really. So that facilitated and enabled a new reach, which to some extent also was was driving that transition. I think now we're talking a little bit more about transitioning players, um, but I don't see any reason based on based on what I've learned so far in this space and how fast things are moving. Uh, I'm more uh, more of an optimist than than all even. I, I think in in a couple a couple to three years two two three years uh, we'll definitely see blockchain technology integrated into perhaps even a majority of games that are out there Uh, not necessarily as the primary driver of anything but definitely as a supportive technology as an option for players to to interact with if they care about that
0: i was just going to say imagine in three years we have a reunion invites out there and we just check in it's like everyone seeing how it goes on it's like oh everything's mainstream now the challenges that we had super simple yeah probably not uh lenny go on
4: I think most of the things I agree on has also been said. Uh, I'll start with the, the timeline, I guess. I think I'm i also going to be more optimistic because I think a lot of the projects being developed right now, uh, ours here included, I think will help driving uh, mainstream adoption because uh, right now there's a lot of exciting games being developed in different genres as well. It's not just uh, uh, something crypto something block something the center whatever it's actually i mean that are focusing on the technology uh, i mean so I, I do think i would say three years as well uh, that if we've taken a much bigger leap towards mainstream adoption both in regards of the games being released that are have uh, utilizing blockchain technology at its core, because they're going to be much more mainstream. But I also think, as Andrea said, that a lot of the majors and AA and Indies will also adopt some of the technology into games. So I would say three years and maybe five years for even, even broader. But I think, uh, and I also think yeah, more things that are required. They're going to be games in different types of genres different types of business models it might be uh ranging from premium to free to play to pay to play to earn or wh- whatever we might see i think there will be so many different business models and genres combined that also help uh, drive mainstream adoption because there will be something for everyone's tastes but i i also completely agree on we need to s- skip uh, the lingo. I mean, that might very well have as its use for a niche audience. That really, I mean, that. Um. I mean, you see some of tribal behavior. Some people like, oh, this game is Solana, I'm gonna support it because uh, they really into that blockchain. So you will have those niches as well. But otherwise, we need to talk about uh, the values of the game. What makes it fun? What makes those type of things. I mean, in regular games, you don't talk about which type of multiplayer system you used in it or which uh, server you're using for it. So, I mean, we, we need to focus on uh, uh, the benefits and values of playing the games, not the actual tech in them. So I'm fully on board with that.
0: I like it. Let's bring it back to Warren. How, how What are you thinking? How are you going to achieve? Because you're more on the publishing side of things because you're, so you're probably thinking about this all the time.
2: Yeah, so I think we, we kicked off part of this discussion earlier on with the, the concept of sort of simplicity scales. And, and I think Andreas and, and Lenny both mentioned this too, just recently here. Um, it's got to be easy. You've got to not overthink it. You've got to not even understand that you're dealing with blockchain. If we look at sort of 3 billion players that are, are recorded now around the world as, you know, from casual to really dedicated, committed players, in in the next two to three years let's say that's half the planet and bringing half the planet over the the web two to web three digital divide if you will um it's got to be easy forming habits have to be familiar enough for how people operate today with an incentive upside to change the behavior a little bit not a lot bit a little bit and and i think that um whether you're building a Game from a studio perspective, whether you're uh, involved in the publishing side, infrastructure, whatever—it's all our collective goal to make the blockchain piece kind of be under the hood and make the value proposition really shine. So uh, I think I'm going to also make my prediction that sort of 2025, um, we're going to see a sort of tidal wave of sort of people earning and uh, feeling good about playing games, and and like Ake said as well that you know. Uh, the benefit comes from doing something you love to do and then getting a, a benefit on top of it, right? It's cream on the cake. Um, so we will see those conditions, I think, in the next two to three years as well. I'm I'm very bullish and optimistic on that. And I also think that the change disruption curve is moving ever faster in in the areas that we sort of operate on. So that will bring the long tail of, of the traditional gamers over the wall, uh, I believe. The very last thing I would mention too, it's kind of fun, you know, we do something we love in this industry and and, uh, I I enjoy every day that how um, collaborative it is with different projects because the success of any one of our projects means that the industry is kind of moving forward and and we all celebrate that and and all cheer for each other. But it is also a reality coming back to this sort of adoption question. uh, People are both highly logical and highly illogical. as as humans. And and I think when we talk about game finance and sort of making this easy for people, um, as long as we keep focusing on how do we drive value to our end consumer our end customer, right? And that's gonna be true for any business. We can just keep applying the same rule, looking out for them. And if we do that properly in our products and our platforms, they will provide the return favor and look out for our business. So that's really how we're gonna grow, understanding the emotional side of people as well as the logical, and um, take care of your customers, they'll grow your business.
0: Nice, best positive note I could have think of to end there. Uh, great, I just wanted to be a bit of a conclusion here. So I feel like we touched on so many good things I don't want us to forget you dear listener as like building a compliant like sustainable economy i feel like a big thing there is you want to bring in a user who's going to be additive actually put either resources time or actually money in the game and if you don't have those users you're going to have a really tough time and be a bit more ponzi like and in terms of like what you're learning from free to play again kind of links to what we were saying earlier uh, just that onboarding experience and nailing that down and just the monetization model as well and when it comes to like bots and bad actors making it so behaviour that a bot can't do is the most rewarding. It's basically gonna solve your problem before you even have the problem, right? And also having those normal cheat engine, uh, cheat prevention stuff. And again, if you want someone to play a game, maybe not tell them. You know, it's like giving a manual book. It's like it's like, bro, I don't want to read this. You know, You're like you you can do that at the end. Like the complicated part of the game, because some games you start and then you literally like ah. Oh, too many things involved you just want to start slow ease them into it and then drop it later and i love it awesome so i would leave it there uh this has been the evolution exchange podcast web3 gaming edition i want to take this opportunity to thank orca andreas warren and lenny for joining me providing their insights into the topic and thank you all for listening if you'd like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts or just want to chat reach out to me on linkedin uh, at harry p-h-o-k-o-u thank you everyone